back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. A warm welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP Cast, brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. We are, of course, also available across a wide range of podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. If you like us, please hit the subscribe button and then you won't miss a single episode. Now, our guest this time out is one of Great Britain's female heroines, an Aussie, but with a dash of English and Scottish, nicely rolled into one GB package. Reason sold herself in Germany this season and is rolling along very nicely indeed. Ailey Simpson, welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are just coming off a fabulous weekend with Great Britain, another Eurobasket qualifying win over Poland, and without a few people there, a few new faces, it was a pretty nice performance. Yeah, it was a, a great win for us, and uh, yeah, twenty eight points was definitely what we needed. Um, yeah, great weekend, great win, uh, great week in the bubble. What was that like? I mean, yeah, we we, we talk, obviously we've all seen the NBA bubble and the WNBA bubble. What was the FIBA bubble like? Yeah, it was definitely a little strange. I think it was also a little nerve wracking. Just we had to have uh, two negative tests to just get inside the bubble. Um, and obviously everything that's going on in Europe right now, um, that was just a bit of a relief just to get those two negative tests and then making the way over to Istanbul. Um, it, they did do a really good job of making you feel safe. So everyone obviously had to have the two negative tests. Um, the workers also had to be tested and they had sectioned like a wing of the hotel off just for the fever bubble. So we didn't come into contact with any other regular guests or um, just regular Turkish citizens or anything. There was an entrance and an exit that only was used by us. Um, masks were um, mandated at all times unless you're eating or in your own room. So there was no roommate. So it was, uh, everyone had their own room and we had our own floor, um, the girls. So we were just on our floor. So there was no coming into contact with other teams as well, really. Um, and then obviously practice walking to the bus was, um, 10 meters pretty much. And in that you get a little bit of fresh air. Um, but yeah, you felt really safe. Um, obviously it was tested in the bubble and as well. So they did do a good job of, uh, making us feel really safe, but it was a little strange, um, just being in your, your room by yourself and, um, a little bit closed off from the rest of the world, but it was one week and I guess safety is more important right now. Be honest about it. When you guys go on this trip, usually it's, you know, whatever, cards, Netflix together in rooms and, you know, it, it, it's enjoyable. Were you guys zooming each other to each other's rooms? <laughs> um, no, I think it was more we <laughs> hang out at meal times a little bit longer. We were all there right on time um, and we would certainly take our time at meals and uh, spend that time after just chatting to each other a bit um yeah it was no we didn't zoom once we were in our own rooms not to each other um but yeah definitely a bit more of extended meal times i think i think tammy fabenley raised this issue of you know, having that that resolute focus when you there really isn't anything else to do except basketball was actually a, 
an advantage in terms of preparing for a game, particularly under the circumstances which you guys have, in which you've got four or five days to get ready. Did you find that a help? Yeah, definitely. Like, obviously, we were there to do a job, and that was it. Um, sometimes when you, you know, we might have a camp in Manchester, you might catch up with some friends and family and, you know, go out to your favourite restaurants or something like that. But we were there purely just to play basketball, to beat Poland. Um, so we had six days or whatever it was in the bubble, literally just to focus on that. Um, so, and obviously you had time in your own hotel room to watch, you know, I was able to watch the full game against Poland. I was able to watch scout a couple of times, read over the scouting report, just keeping our mind occupied and really just focusing on the task at hand. How much can you guys lean on this fable GB way when you, you rock up in these kind of moments now? Because you saw last weekend, it was a different look for the absence of Joe Leedham, of course, wonderfully the great news that she's she's going to have a, a baby girl in, in in the new year but when you have someone of that influence how much does it help now to have this mantra and this constant thread that always seems to be there around this team yeah like obviously congratulations to jolly it's amazing news but of course she's always going to be missed when she's not on the court for us but the thing about Joey, not just Joey, Rach, obviously Steffi's now in the coaching staff, even Carly wasn't there, Georgia Jones, like these girls have set the GB way. You know, they've done all the hard work for years and now what they've done has stemmed through our system and it's become infectious amongst all the players. Uh, it's the culture that's a part of the team now. So whether it's the first, the top starting players or if it's the bench players, even like Hannah and Nikki and stuff that have been in the program for a few years now, that still set that GB way tone. So anyone that comes into our camp, they can quickly realise how, how to go about business and, and it's very easy for players to come in and adapt to that that culture that we've, that we've set. How so, much, yeah. How much of that comes from the players and how much of that comes from Chema Butheta? Yeah, I mean, it all stems from Chema, obviously being the head coach and he just gives the players the world of confidence um, and that's probably the best thing as a player is knowing that the head coach has all the confidence in the world for each player and, you know, we're there for a reason um, and he believes in us and everything's obviously very positive in our camp and the love we have for each other as a team, as the coaching staff, as an entire group, it just makes it so easy to go out there and do what you love and play for each other and play with passion. Do you feel, I mean, I mean, every year, I don't think anyone disputes, every year you've played for this team, you've got better. And obviously you work out in the off-season, you work on your strengths and weaknesses, etc. But how much do you feel that environment has helped you individually? Yeah, definitely. I think also just the confidence in which the girls, all we all give to each other um, really helps um, just knowing your role on the team and the girls have confidence. And if, if someone is injured, that someone has to step up. And we all believe in each other that what, whoever that is that day, someone is going to step up. Um, and, yeah, my role has increased, especially this camp, um, with pretty much no point guards coming back for us. <laughs> um, and point guards, obviously, a bit of a new position for me in the GB team. Um, and Chem has discussed it with me over the last couple of years that, you know, I'm going to have to move into the 
point guard position and um, in club now I'm playing point guard. Um, so this is definitely my opportunity to um, take a bigger role in that point guard position for the team. I'll talk about one of those point guards in a, in a bit, but um, the the fact that you sat out that Olympic qualifying tournament in Serbia, and I, I remember writing at the time, it was such small margins that your absence for me was possibly the difference. For you sitting watching that from afar, what was that experience like? It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, to be honest. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, you know, I was in camp in London. I think we only had two or three days before the team flew to Belgrade and I did everything I possibly could to try. You know, I was starting to jog. I was jogging in the pool, but I mean jogging and then playing at that level. <laughs> I just, it was pretty obvious that, you know, I, I wasn't ready to even run. I still couldn't even walk pain-free. Um, so obviously not going to Serbia, it was just, it was heartbreaking. And then to watch three games, three close games on the laptop, like it, it's, oh, it's so stressful watching, like it's so <laughs> much worse watching them playing for all of sitting us on the bench. Like it's actually <laughs> awful. Now I understand what my parents have been talking about for the last 15, 20 years, but oh, it was, it was absolutely horrible not to be able to give anything to my team, not to be able to be there. You know, obviously, I, I don't know if I could have made a difference, but I think that not knowing is possibly worse. Um, and that's something I'm going to just have to live with forever. Um, but, yeah, definitely probably the worst week of my basketball career, just sitting and watching those games and, yeah, awful. <laughs> As a group, and we you know, we saw the pictures at the time, and, you know, Joe Liedem in tears, other people, you know, the emotion of it all. I mean... All of us, I think, who were invested in that team and have been invested in that team felt it, but obviously you guys knew more, you know, much more than any of us watching. What was the, I guess, collective grieving process like? Because everyone dreams of going to Olympics. You know, a few people amongst the roster have obviously been to, they're more at London 2012, but emotionally, how did you guys support one another to, to kind of rebound from that 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 moment yeah I mean obviously I wasn't with the group in Serbia um obviously I think they had team meeting after the game and there was a lot of conversations and stuff and you know we'd worked really hard to get to that point you know from not qualifying to get to Eurobasket in 2015 to then qualifying an unbelievable against Greece and Israel um and Portugal you know that was a really tough group for us to finish first and then doing as well as what we did in Eurobasket to earn that qualification ticket and then again losing to Korea by three points. Like it was kind of a roller coaster of a few years, um, all blended together. And for us to fall so short, and I still believe that we, we deserve to kind of be qualified. I mean, obviously I'm going to say that because I'm biased, <laughs> but um, just heartbreaking really. Um, I just remember afterwards, like I was still in Czech Republic obviously watching and it was just lost for words, really. Um, but I just remember really quickly I was feeling pretty sorry for myself and stuff. But I know Rach first game back in Belgium, she tore ACL. So um, obviously things uh, changed pretty quickly and obviously focus went on to getting her recover and, and make sure she was all right mentally and stuff. But then obviously the world of COVID 2020 <laughs> kept hitting 
So it feels like now um, not qualifying just seems like a lifetime ago with everything that's gone on this year and then the Olympics um, getting postponed. I mean, I wasn't sad about that. I didn't want to have to watch the Olympics this year. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, it was horrible, but I think with 2020 just kept going, that seems like a lifetime ago now. Let's talk about one brilliantly bright piece of news this year. October the 9th, your girlfriend, as you've mentioned, Rachel van der Rohe, and a double proposal. Tell us how that worked. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a very special day, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, Rach and I obviously didn't see each other for seven months because of COVID. Canadians weren't allowed into Australia, and then obviously Australians weren't allowed into Canada. So obviously it was a very long summer apart from each other. Um, so obviously we both had, I guess, great minds think alike. So over the summer we both got rings um, custom made for each other and we had planned to go to like do a little bit of walking around this lake in Germany and I this is where I'd thought, oh, this would be a perfect spot. Obviously Rachel um, had the exact same thought process Um I just remember that morning I was so nervous. I had it in my pocket. Meanwhile, Rach as well was so nervous, had it in her pocket as well. Um, I pipped her to the line, really. I just beat her. Um, so, yeah, obviously I proposed. And uh, <laughs> next minute she's like, well, I guess it's my turn now. And then she proposes. So it was it was an epic day. Um, and I think it just made it even more special that we both had planned on the exact same day. So, um yeah, it's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it makes for a great story. And obviously you'll never cease to remind that you won in terms of proposing <laughs> first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be awkward. A yes and a no. How does that work? Um, yeah. And, and do we have a date? No. Well, um, obviously COVID. Obviously we're going to have to have a destination wedding with obviously our family being mm. Canada, mine in Australia, and then friends all over Europe. Um we're probably thinking maybe Mexico, um, all-inclusive resort, but, um, I mean, Australians aren't allowed to travel right now and everything going on in the world. We're just going to have to wait. Um, we'd like this summer, July or August, but, I mean, we can't really plan too far ahead right now. And she's come to Europe and to Germany where you're now with Geese Alliance for, for the season, so she's come there to join you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I came uh, about a month earlier just to settle in, get through preseason and stuff. And then she joined me. Um, so now she's doing all of her rehab and strength and training and stuff over with me. So it's great. Actually, it's probably the um, best thing about her tearing her ACL is that we're actually able to live together through the <laughs> European season. Um, but uh, yeah, her rehab and stuff's all, all going really well. So it's nice to be able to help her with that. And and her to support me here while playing in Germany. And give us give us the update. Do we should we expect to see her back on court this season? What what's the status? Oh, I mean, she's not putting any rush. Um, obviously, she wants us to qualify for Eurobasket, so she will definitely be a goal for Eurobasket if she's ready by the end of the season. Um, she definitely, about the moment, she's just taking it month to month by month. She doesn't want to um, push it. There's no rush. The headband will always be ready. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about Germany. Um, obviously, coming off the season of the Strava last year in the Czech Republic, what's what's the level been like so far in the German league? Yeah, we um, we had a long preseason. Uh, they decided to push the season back a little bit with COVID, 
Um, so I think we had like four or five practice matches, six, seven week preseason. Um, we've actually only played two regular season games. <laughs> I feel like I've been here for four months. Um, obviously, a game got cancelled. A couple of teams have had some positive cases and are in quarantine. Um, so some games have had to be rescheduled. But um, the club here, I'm, I'm really happy. They're super professional. Um, the girls are great. We all get along really well. Um, we got a really good team. We've um, we had one bad loss to Kelton, but they're they're a great they're a great team. And then we got pipped um, down the line by three points in our first game. So we're um, still trying to get that first win, which I think we'll get this weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'm really enjoying it so far. The level's really good. Um, there's lots of foreigners. Um, yeah, I mean, two games in, it, it's hard to give a big overview just yet. What you, you look up for a place in the summer, and obviously money's always a big, big issue as well. But how how have you strategically tried to you know keep moving up, keep finding better places to play? I mean, what's the evaluation process like for you when you know you get to the start of an off season and the options start opening up? Yeah, um, yeah, I've I've kind of spoken to my agent, and obviously, you know, playing in better leagues is obviously a big priority, but I also like to experience, you know, I know I'm not going to be playing in Europe forever. And I also like to experience different countries and travel a little bit and um, yeah, just see different cultures. And so um, yeah, after the Czech Republic, I thought kind of done with Eastern Europe. (laughs) Um, So I spoke to my agent and, you know, I'd heard, I knew I've known a couple of players playing in Germany and said they've really enjoyed their time. Um, so once I saw an offer came from, come from a team in Germany, I, I jumped on it. So. What's, what's the role this year? I mean, do you, I mean, you say you're playing point guard. Is that something you discuss with the coach or is that something that came to you? I mean, what's, what's the, the rule of engagement there? Yeah. Well, um, one of the reasons why I did sign at this club is the coach actually FaceTimed me. Um, once he saw some tape on me, he wanted to talk to me, which which I really liked because obviously I was able to understand what he expected from me and um, vice versa, what I what I wanted for the club. Um, and he told me straight away that he wanted me as a point guard. Um, so I was really happy with that. It was something that I definitely wanted to, um, to keep improving my game. Um, so obviously I've always kind of just been a shooter. Um, and now moving into that point guard position gives me more um, skill range and kind of diversifies my game a little bit more. So, yeah, it's been something I've been working on a little bit over the last year or two. So, yeah. What do you do? I mean, are you are you someone who will work with a development coach? Do you study people online? Do you get a program from somewhere? What, give us a flavour of what the process is. Yeah, well, this summer was obviously a little bit different, um, especially being in Melbourne. We had a pretty harsh lockdown. Um, I was only allowed outside for 60 minutes a day. But um, I normally have a pretty heavy strength and conditioning um, program over the summer. Um, I like to build up my strength and, and fitness. But obviously it depends if we're playing in the summer or if I'm playing back home because normally a lot of summers I actually go home and play in the league, in the league back home. So I'm – sometimes playing year-round and training year-round. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of mix it up. I have some stuff that I've done with previous individual coaches. There was a couple of times I was able to get in with an individual specialist coach back home, kind of just t- told him some things I wanted to work on, 
And then I watch a lot of pro players and their workouts and what they do on YouTube and online stuff. So I love watching pro players, see what they do, um, and then copy some of their drills. So a little so bit of everything, really. So who have you been copying of late? Um, I love to copy Steph Curry, obviously, JJ Redick. I like his workouts, but he doesn't really like to post too much um, stuff. Um, and then just uh, like Instagram accounts with just the specialist coaches and what they're doing with all the, the different pro players they like to work with. And do, do you feel like you know, the time is right now for you to start being one of those players who's posting the workouts? Um, mm, no, I'm not really one to do that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no, I'm not big into that. Um, yeah, no, maybe here and there I might do a 10-second video, but that's about it, really. You have to raise your Instagram game. That's what it's all about <laughs> these days. How it is, isn't it? You talked about travel, and I mean, it is. I know one of your 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 great passions in life, and you've had some obviously some great trips with basketball. What's what's been the places that have stood out that you've been able to get to? Oh, it's tough. Um, oh, Rach and I went on a pretty incredible trip to South America. Was that last year? Yeah, I think it was last year. It seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, yeah, Peru. I think Peru is probably my favourite country in the world. Um, went to some incredible places, did some incredible hikes. Um, Machu Picchu is obviously incredible. up there. <laughs> obviously Rainbow Mountain. Um, and then we just we just stumbled across some like hidden beauties um, in kind of rural Peru. And just the people, the food, just couldn't recommend Peru anymore. One of my favourite countries in the world. And you did, I think it was Ecuador, Bolivia as well? Yeah. Yeah, and Bolivia, the Salt Flats, that was unreal as well. Uh, such a cool place. With with this job, let's you know, we can call it a job, but is this the kind of unseen privilege that you, you get from it? Is, and I, I have it myself, obviously, from covering the sport, is that you stumble into going to all these places that you might never otherwise have thought of going to. Oh, for sure. It's definitely one of the, um, obviously, the highlights or the positives of being a professional basketball player, especially international, um, just travelling um, and seeing beautiful places um, and also meeting unreal people and the relationships you form. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's why I also have stayed in Europe for six years now is I just love visiting as many places as I possibly can and soaking it all in because I know this career isn't forever. It is just a short time span of my life, so I'm really trying to take as um, advantage as much as I possible can, possibly can. Because coming out of college in, in St. Francis in Brooklyn, did you expect to have this pro career that you've had with international basketball thrown on top of it? What, you know, did it feel like it was a given at that point, or did it feel like this was something that you would have to dream about and to work for? Um, no, like I knew my, definitely my junior year, after my junior year and having that first camp with GB and obviously speaking to the players and that were playing obviously in Europe, I was thinking, well, that's pretty cool. Like I, I want to do something like that, but I actually had no idea what that really involved. Um, obviously it sounds really cool playing professionally in Europe. Um, and then went back for my senior year and once I signed with an agent and realized, oh, you know, it is something I wanted to do. And then my first year, I absolutely hated it. 
Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe like that's what life. I just found it really hard the adjustment um, from college, and I honestly had thoughts about if I wanted to go back after my first year. Um, I thought I can just play basketball back in Australia and be with my friends and family and, and enjoy um, life so much more because I really didn't have an enjoyable time my first year. Um, but obviously every year I go back, it gets better and better. Um, and I just think it was just a big adjustment span for me going from New York City with obviously friends and, you know, I'd, I'd created a life over there over four years going to a small village in Spain where not many people spoke English at all, the coach didn't speak English, and uh, uh, it was obviously just a big adjustment. Did it make you stronger, though? Oh, for sure. Definitely learnt a lot about myself. Um, and for me to even go back the next year, just showed how much I really did love basketball and how much I wanted to keep working at it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely learned a lot about myself that year. I mean, you mentioned the idea of playing in Australia. I mean, there was a time when the WNBL was you know, considered one of the the world's elite leagues. And good though it is, its you know, stature isn't quite maybe the same it was as it was twenty years ago. What's how do you view it now? If if you if you were to look at the Aussie league against Germany or even Spain or or, or whatever, how how do you judge it now as as an opportunity? Does it lack the appeal that you would love it to have or love it to have had? Um, I think over the last, like, three years, it's really stepped up. Um, the calibre of players that they were attracting, um, except, like, take this year out of account because they haven't mm. allowed any imports. Um, and obviously it's only a six, seven-week season this season. But before that, I was thinking that you know, some of the top teams were, you know, they could beat some EuroCup teams. Um, I think the level has really increased and for me it does seem really appealing and I know that once I'm done in Europe I definitely want to go play in the WNBL because it's summer mm. <laughs> back home. Um, so playing playing and, and living in an Australian summer, I can remember how good an Australian summer is. So I would love to, um, you know, go practice in the morning and then lay on the beach for the rest of the day. <laughs> There's nothing, <laughs> nothing not to like about that. <laughs> yeah. So I, def I definitely want to go home and play in the WNBL at some stage. Has there been offers? Um, no. Um, I was maybe thinking, I've had some people reach out to me just asking if I'm still going back to Europe. And each time I've always, you know, my focus is in Europe, especially because GB, um, you know, if I chose to stay home and play in Australia, I would have to kind of waive the November and February windows. And that's just something I'm not willing to do right now. Let's talk about the GB thing. Because, yeah, you know, obviously you're, you're Aussie raised. You said, you know, part Irish or part English, part Scottish. Fill people in in the background for those who don't know. Yeah, so my entire family is British. My mum's Scottish, my dad's English. Um, uh, so I've got lots of aunties, uncles, cousins, grandparents. They're all in the UK. It's just my, my mum and dad moved out when they were in their mid-20s. Um, I think it was because dad had a job opportunity and it was only meant to be a six-month uh, contract. But he said, no, like we're going to live here. This is, um, this is where we want to spend our life. They went back to England to get married in front of their family and friends. And then so I was first generation born in Australia. Um, and then when I was 18, I was contacted uh, by Warwick and he found out that I was eligible for a British passport. I'm not really sure how. 
um, and that um, they'd like me to try out for the under-20s team. So, yeah, when I was 18, I got my British passport, flew over, um, tried out for the under-20s team, unfortunately injured myself in one of the preparation games in France, um, came back, and then, yeah, it was uh, obviously they kept an eye on me throughout college and then got the call up. Uh, my junior year of college for the senior team. So that would suggest to me that you were, you and your sister were absolutely encouraged to be full-blooded Aussies rather than a palm family displanted over there. Well, it's a bit of a controversial thing. For my dad, <laughs> my dad is a, a very big pom, as you would call it in Australia. Um, every, especially in, in the cricket. So there's a bit. The Boxing Day test is huge in Melbourne, and obviously the rugby. And you know, Dad's got out his Union Jacks, and uh, all of his mates are you know Australian fans, and he loves the banter. But um, <laughs> he was, he was, he's still very. Uh, English. If Australia play anyone, he's he's rooting the other team. Like he's not cheering on Australia. And then this mum is very proud Scottish, hates the English. Um, <laughs> Apart from your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, growing up, obviously, I grew up watching the Yokels um, cheering for Australia in the Olympics and, and um, you know, cheering against my dad, um, the English. <laughs> But, um, I mean, once I put on that GB vest, though, I'm, I'm cheering for GB, that's for sure. How did it play out? And you know what I'm, game I'm going to ask you about. Come back here two and a half years in Australia, Gold Coast, that, that morning that we, we, were, we were all there. We got the crack of dawn for the, the game, Australia against England, Australian family there. You're playing for England. That We know your dad supporting. What was the Simpson clan like over those few days? I mean, they were all cheering for me, 100%. 100%. My sister actually had uh, T-shirts made. Um, I think it said Team Simpson on the front. And then I think she, my sister finds it very hard to cheer for England. So she had to put um, my Aussie at heart on the back um, of the T-shirt. <laughs> but no, they were definitely all cheering for me, that's for sure. They were all proud English that day. What was that like as an experience? Because obviously you don't it, – it's it's – probably the only time you'll ever play internationally in Australia. I mean, from a personal point of view, that must have been above and beyond. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the highlight. That's definitely the highlight of my career. Um, playing Australia, in Australia, the gold medal match, I mean, that it literally can't get any, any better than that. Um, I just remember, you know, some Australian songs were playing in the warm-up. Um, you know, packed arena, all my family and friends were there. Uh, it was an unbelievable game. I don't even remember the game getting smacked. <laughs> don't remember that at all. Remember Liz getting ejected. But Yeah, that's um, funny. I walked into the arena just as that happened. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, that, that was spectacular. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, that's literally everything I could dream of, really. It was, it was an unreal experience and it would probably always be the um, highlight of my career for sure. I mean, we're three years away from from the Paris Olympics, and that is the next, you know, the next big one on the horizon. I mean, having seen Tokyo slip through the the grasp, is there talk amongst you guys as a group of, well, we were really close last time. We know we're we know we're good enough now to make an Olympics. That's our that's got to be our goal next time around. Yeah, um, no, we haven't really spoken about it too much. Um, 
I know I spoke to Tammy the other day and I was asking, you know, like how much longer you want to keep playing? And she said she wants to make another Olympics. Um, so definitely some people are thinking about it. I mean, right now, I just want to, we just want to qualify for Eurobasket. Um, and that's tough, like 16 teams. And obviously we got a tough group with Belarus and yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that. But I mean, I'd love to also qualify for the World Cup in Sydney 2022. Um, and that's, that would be unreal as well especially for me. Um, you know, if we make Eurobasket and do as well as what we did last time, we've got a ticket to Sydney World Cup. So that would be unreal. Um, I mean, Paris is, I mean, anything can happen in three years. That's, that's a long time away. But, I mean, it's every athlete's dream. You're obviously continuously working towards an Olympics. So I won't say no, it's not on the table. If the Olympics were going ahead, what would you want to see that wasn't basketball? Oh, I mean, I love everything in the Olympics. Um, I just love watching it all. Um, I love watching the swimming, the track and field, like the 100-meter sprint, the relays. Oof. I actually really enjoy the beach volleyball, watching that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just the great thing about the Olympics. There's so many unreal sports and obviously everyone's at such a high level. Um, you can't really watch anything bad at the olympics can you oh trust me you can't you really can't you really can but there's not much of it and it's still quite nice yeah. to be there and if you're to pay to watch one other sport what would you go and see if sorry what was that if you're to pay to watch one other sport what would you go and see oh hmm. i probably think the 100 meter sprint in a final yeah. Yeah, the final 100 metres. Men or women? <laughs> <laughs> or both. You can have a two-point. Both. 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 <laughs> um, you've got, obviously, several years left of, of, of your career, we hope. What, what would you like to get out of it? What, you know, do, you, do you have a kind of goal or objective that you set yourself? Um... No, like, um, I just the short term goal is Eurobasket. Um, I'd love to play in Spain, France, Eurobasket. Um, that's the goal right now is just to qualify for that. Um, and then obviously how we go at um, Eurobasket will kind of determine what the next goal will be. Um, but that's kind of my short term goal, what I'm looking forward to next. And do you picture the perfect concept that you and Rachel? have the trophy maybe a medal to bring with you to the wedding <laughs> no i haven't pictured that to be honest no i haven't pictured that one but that that would be pretty epic yeah, definitely <laughs> it would be a nice celebration to go on to a wedding after after winning a medal at Eurobasket. that that's for sure especially tricky you can get a lot of champagne in that it's perfect yeah definitely yeah <laughs> last question for you and it's one of these ones that you always think why haven't I asked her this before? You're always number 41. Why number 41? <laughs> it is a bit of a random number. Well, not here, not here in Germany, but um, uh, it's, it's no special story, really. I was always number eight um, and when I was younger. And when I moved clubs, um, I had to pick an odd number because I was 1992. And it was just the year you had to be an odd number when I was moving clubs and they were all really random numbers. Um, but my best mate, he was playing for the club and he was number 41 
And so I purely chose 41 because it was the only number that kind of had any significance to me. Um, and we were best friends. We did everything together. So I said, okay, I'll go 41. And then when I was going to college, they said, what number do you want? Um, and I was tossing up between 8 or 41. And there was already a girl with number 8. So I said, okay, 41 it is. Um, and since then, it's just always been number 41. So nothing to do with Dirk Nowitzki? No, nothing. <laughs> That's good. It's good to have your own choice and your own path. Yeah. We wish you continued success. We wish you, uh, obviously, a very happy future for you and Rachel as well. And I hope her injury speeds up uh, from the recovery side. But um, continue good luck. Enjoy Germany. And thank you so much for stopping by the MVP cast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Silly. That is it for this edition. Brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Search them on Google or give them a follow on social media at TE Compliance Limited. You can get all our previous editions at MVP247.com or subscribe at your favourite podcast provider. Please do leave us a review, preferably a nice one. If you want to get in touch, reach out to me on Twitter at Mark Britball. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But from me, Mark Woods, thanks for listening and it's bye for now. 